You're listening to the Fabalade Podcast. With Timothy Martin and Connor Bunn. All right, everybody, welcome back into a brand new episode of For the Lead, Season 3, Episode 2. If you're joining us now on YouTube, uh, you see we are live with a guest again this week, Jarrett Lundberg, joining us all the way up from the Midwest, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the freezing Midwest. Snowy, <laughs> snowy Midwest. Oh, uh, yeah, let me. Yeah, it started snowing. So, yeah, <laughs> snowy Midwest is, is completely accurate. So, for those of you who don't know Jarrett, and I don't know how you don't by now, um, he's been a NASCAR content YouTube creator here for a while. He is co-host of the NASCAR Weekly podcast. I think they they kind of they kind of are the the upper echelon right now of who started the podcast game. I remember watching them back in 2018 and stuff. So it's actually kind of surreal to have Jared on here. Last time we saw you was actually Daytona um, when we all linked up there and went go kart racing. I believe you were concussed. And you and Timothy yep. kind of got in a, did, a did recording he, accident. Wait, did he wreck me? Uh, he didn't wreck you. I think you, were, I, you were turned around in the hairpin and he plowed in. Yeah, I think I think the, the, the girl who was like the moving chicane took you out. And then I tried going low and I was like, I got a hole, got a hole. Don't got a hole. Right into you. Oh, right, in, and, right into the side of me. And yeah, and I, I was still suffering from the concussion I got in Miami from, uh, from my go-kart accident there. So I'm just like, shit. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was thinking about that when when you were coming on, and I was trying to remember where did I was like, where did we race go karts? Because I knew we raced go karts with yeah. him somewhere. You weren't the one sitting in the trunk, though. No, you got your, no. when we drove, you got your own seat in the back, right? Because I know somebody yes. was stuck in the trunk of the car. Yeah, that was, that that that, that, that might have been Jake if if, uh, if he went because I know he's the smallest one of us, yeah, so that yeah. might have been Jake. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, that uh, obviously times have changed since the last time we saw you. It was yeah. the day before the Daytona 500. Since then, we've obviously um, ran into COVID and stuff, and everybody's kind of taken their own effect to that. How have you been handling COVID life? What is what does yeah. the everyday life look like? Of, we're almost uh, a year yeah. in. We're almost a year yeah. in now to COVID life. So what? Have, how, how has it impacted you? Uh, some good, some bad. I'll just get the bad out of the way. Um. I like weighed 180 to 185 beforehand and now I'm like 205. So I've been working that off. Uh, so that's the bad. Uh, but I mean, for the most part, I, it actually helped me uh, get back into making more videos on top of like, you know, school full time. Um, and I got a girlfriend over that time that I've been dating for 10 months now. So <laughs> it, it I, I think it's been a net gain for me personally, but I know. How do you get a girlfriend in COVID when everybody's supposed to quarantine? That doesn't make sense. So I actually, when everything started shutting down, was driving down to Atlanta for the Atlanta race. And I was staying at Sloppy Joe's house with uh, Black Flags Matter. And then we were supposed to link up with, I think, like Slade and um, and Jake Baskinger and Slap Shoes. And then the whole world went to hell. Uh, and, and so like... Uh, Sloppy was just telling me about this app that, you know, is like Tinder, but not for hooking up with people for actually like going on dates. And I'm like, yeah, I might as well try it. And so literally the night that everything shuts down, I match up with this girl and we start going back and forth. And it was weird because like, I didn't know if I had the proximity thing on. So she was, cause it said she was from Florida, but it also said she was from Wisconsin. And I'm like, well, I really hope she's from Wisconsin cause she's really chill. And, uh, and turns out she was moving from Florida to Wisconsin. So we we 
talked over the phone for like the first month or so. And then once stuff started opening up, we finally like went on our first official date in, I think like May. And it's just sort of skyrocketed ever since. I've actually taken her to uh, Daytona and Talladega. So like her favorite driver is Denny Hamlin. And on, and on the second race we went to, she got to see her favorite driver win. It took me like 10 races to see Junior win. And hey, she man, got on the it second. Four, it took me 14 years to see Kyle win. So I, 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 I that's like. I saw Kyle win like the fourth race I went to. It was uh, Chicagoland 2008. Yeah, it seems like a lot of my friends, uh, we got a couple friends who live up in Chicago. And uh, one of my buddies, that was his first race he ever went to. And Kyle won and he has since hated Kyle because of that. <laughs> Well, that was like peak Kyle hate time. Yeah, that, that was uh, that was when Kyle was was on one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got we've got what nineteen days by the time this comes out to the Daytona five hundred. Uh, obviously, a lot of hype around that. You've come out with a new video. I think what mm-hmm. this week about yeah, Denny Hamlin in the Daytona five hundred. Tell us what that video is about. So it, it's about how and why. I think he is the favorite. Now, I mean, it, it's pretty obvious for a lot of people based on the last two 500s that he's the favorite, but I wanted to go more in depth on it. Uh, and, and you can see just with the change of the rules packages, how he is like the quickest one to adapt. And and he's won, I think, what, three of the last like eight plate races or super speedway races as they're known now. And the last two Daytona 500s, three of the last five. And... It's just absolutely insane to see how one move he can make with two to go ends up getting him the win, whereas somebody will make the complete opposite move and they'll finish like 20th or something. And so I just wanted to go in depth of like, I think his last four um, super speedway wins, his three Daytona 500s in the Talladega race. And, you know, I, at first I thought, oh, it'll probably just be me saying the same thing. But each time he used a different strategy and it just shows like, no matter what that they're going to throw at him, I, I think that he is the favorite. I he could be the first person ever to win three Daytona 500s in a row. I think I think last week I may have predicted him to win, and I, you know, I'm looking back at, at the Daytona 500 that we were all at last year. I thought there was no. I thought he was done going down the backstretch coming into turn three. I yeah. mean, it was like, how was he going to win that race? And he still ended up winning that race. Yeah, I and and that that's that was the crazy part too is that he I think a younger driver or a less experienced driver drafting would have completely freaked out there. Like if that was like, you know, I'm not throwing anyone too much under the bus, but if that was like Ross Chastain, for instance, this year, I don't think he wins that race. I don't even think he he's up there with those front two. I think they pull away, but just the fact that he, you know, basically waited till the exact moment that the two of them got by, it got right back in the draft. By the time they were out of four, he was still right behind him and in complete contention to win. And obviously he did. So I I think, um, you know, I don't think Denny Hamlin's going to win a championship in his career, but I I think the Daytona 500 number for him, I think when he ends his career, he's going to have five Daytona 500 championships. That's only two more. That's just two more. Jeez. It is is only two more. I mean, you you predicted him to win this year. Okay. He wins this Mm -hmm. year. There's four. Then, you know, he drives a few more years. He's only got to win one more. Yeah. And and, I think there's a lot of, there's big stigma that goes around that you know, restrictor plate racing or super speedway racing now is all luck. And if you just watch Denny Hamlin and how he's so meticulous and how he calculates every move he makes and 
even from it seems like from the drop of the green flag, he's got a plan for every lap and every stage of the race where I think a lot of guys just kind of go by the wayside and see where they're at in the last stage in the last 20 laps. I think Hamlin plans advance in advance right. for the whole entire race because he always seems to to be in the right position where the wreck is not. And then, like I said, you know, at the end of the race, he's always there. And, you know, you know, he's going to if he's behind you, he's probably going to put a move on you. That's going to make you look silly and and go right around you. So that Hamlin being the favorite doesn't surprise me. Him winning this year wouldn't surprise me. What surprises me is looking down at the list and seeing Chase Elliott as a second favorite at 10 to 1. Chase has yet to finish the Daytona 500. Is that somewhat surprising to you coming off a championship that he is the favorite? I know in years past, guys who come off the championship often are riding a high and people like to, you know, have lofty expectations. But is seeing Chase 10 to 1 um, a little out of the ordinary for you? I would say normally, yes, but I think just in general, no matter what sport it is, I think like Vegas or whoever runs those generally favors the champion. I mean, it, it, like even in the NFL, like a team will win the Super Bowl and the next year they're like, if they're not the favorite, they're one of the favorites to win. Um, I mean, he's a good restrictor, or not restrictor plate. I got I to gotta get that out of my lexicon. <laughs> super speedway racer. He's a good super speedway racer, but. I would have put Joey Logano ahead of him. Um, I'm sure. curious. Do, do you know where Brad Kozlowski is on that rate on that that ranking? Because yeah. I'll be real with you, I think he's one of the most overrated uh, super speedway drivers out there right now. Brad K, you think he's uh, you think he's overrated? Yeah, that's my big hot take because I I did a top ten uh, super speedway drivers a, a while ago, and I didn't even put him in the top ten ever. Oh, um, and 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 the reason is while he's won a lot. When he doesn't win, he is atrocious at these tracks. I'm talking like averages a 27th place finish atrocious. Well, that's because his teammate Joe Logano causes a big wreck and he gets <laughs> caught up in it. I think I think he's a smart racer. I just don't think he puts himself in the position that like a Denny Hamlin or in some instances like Talladega, I think 2019 that uh, that Chase Elliott has. Um, but no, I I I I don't know really about Brad like. He when he's good, he's good. When he's on, he's on. But other than that, he's he's pretty bad, terrible. Bad. He's since, he is awful. Since we're talking about Daytona, I wanted to get your perspective because I've I've asked people this in the past. With the way the the rules have changed, you know, this isn't the Daytona 500 from 1993 where you saw Del Jarrett slowly lurk his way past a car, past another car, made the move on Earnhardt coming to the white flag. You know, in some cases, it's almost at times a crapshoot, the big wreck, you know, being in the right place. Does winning the Daytona 500, does it, is it as big of a deal today as it was back in the 90s? I, I think in a way, I think it is more in a sense, because I don't think that modern plate racing, I'm just, I'm screwed, I'm going to call it plate racing, modern, modern racing in the 500 I don't think it's as much of a crapshoot and because people have been saying this since about 2014 when this when they started getting the packages better. I, I don't think it's as much of a crapshoot as people like to think it is, because when you look at through there's like sort of segments in time of like who dominates. But if you look at who dominates, it's usually the guys who are best at taking care of their cars at every other track. You know, Dale Jr. is is pretty good with it. Joey Logano, for for the reputation he has, is still very good at bringing his car home the best possible place he can. When Brad Kozlowski's good, he's someone who, in general, takes care of his stuff. Denny Hamlin is. Um, 
it, it takes a certain kind of aggression and patience. And and I think that's that's a reason why certain drivers are so good at it. And and if you look at the last, you know, I'd say decade or so, I think the only outlier in that group would probably be Trevor Bain, honestly. He's like the only outlier, and that's the only outlier year because of the two car tandem. So I, I don't I don't think it's as much of a crapshoot as people like to to label it as. And, and I still think that it's just as, if not more uh impressive to win it now and and important to win it now jared disagrees with me but can we agree that the shootout last year with eric jones coming across and getting the win was that a crap shoot that was one of the worst races i've ever watched (laughs) (laughs) absolutely awful uh i i would i would honest to god put that probably in my top five worst races i've ever watched and that's cup xfinity trucks indycar f1 local short track Awful race, horrible, hate it. Never want to watch it <laughs> wow, again. Created some real passion for me about that race. I didn't know I was gonna you know, bring up so much, so much anger. I, I, I re I had to rewatch it twice to make a video recently, and I and at first I'm like, oh, it's not that bad, but I'll just sort of play it up, and then I like saw how bad it was, and I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> the clash this year, it is run on a road course. Uh, seems to be mixed feelings about it during uh, over the fan base. I'm somebody who would like to see it back on the oval. I would, I'm someone who still believes in the clash that it can be restored and it can be fixed to being a somewhat maybe not coveted event, but you know it can be worth more than maybe what it is now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about the clash being on the road course this year, and where do you see it going in the future? Uh, with the road course, as my, I am someone who is very pro road course. Uh, I've said on the podcast multiple times, my magic number was six to seven road courses. So I got what I wanted. With that being said, I, I don't know what the parameters are to get into the race, but I'm assuming it's not going to be a full field. I don't. It's probably going to be like 25 at the most. 25 cars on a three and a half mile road course with the 750 package. I, I just think that just you're going to see Chase Elliott run away with it. And then you're going to just see the spread out race. If it were like at the Roval or a really short road course, I'd say sure road course would work with it. But I think with such a big track and such an untested track for the most part, I I think it's probably, it's probably going to be a very much of a whimper to start out the year. Uh, I agree with you. I'm pro road course as well, obviously with being a Chase Elliott fan. I don't think NASCAR would have made – I think they didn't know they were going to run Daytona as the second race of the year in the road course. I think if they knew that, then this wouldn't have been the way they did it because the road course at Daytona came in very late when they had to get rid of California. So I, I bet if they had to do it again, they probably wouldn't do that again. Yeah, and my fear is the guys who aren't eligible to run the Clash, not named Chase Elliott, who's gonna, probably going to run away with it, is going to – they're going to use that as like a practice session or a test session for the second race of the year – that alone is probably going to take away from or what little excitement there may be in the race because guys, I feel like, will want to take care of their stuff and kind of play around with setups, you know? Well, and the, and the original plan was is that this was going to be the last race that the Gen 6 was used. They're going to have the Gen 6 on a road course. That way they can't – and even before it was a road course, you're going to have the Gen 6 in the clash. That way there is nobody who's ahead come time for the duels and the 500 with the next-gen car. Um, so I, I, I think they would have 
done it over again. I mean, me personally, um, you know, I'm, I'm friends with slap shoes and I watch his videos and stuff. I'm, I'm kind of on his bus with it. Uh, I would be completely down with making that backstretch short track comeback, add yeah. some, some movable seats. And if you can't do that, go the Dale jr. Route, just a 20 lap shootout. I, I think the biggest way it needs to be fixed though, is with the drivers. Cause like, in my opinion, the package when it comes to super speedway racing isn't broken like a lot of people are saying the drivers don't know how to race it like if you like this this package races in my opinion just like the old package in 2000 2001 02 03 you know in the heyday of restrictor plate racing and the difference then and now is that there was a lot more give and take you know people weren't going to try and dive it five wide in when there wasn't a hole there the way that they do now and i think you know it's, it's a byproduct of um a few things we talked about it a bit on the podcast and it kind of got controversial it, it, the first thing is it's a byproduct of drivers who have lived their entire lives and driven their entire careers without a fatality these cars i think they have a false sense of security with these cars and i thought the ryan newman crash is going to knock some sense back into him about you know smart moves but mm -hmm. i, I talladega proved it didn't um and and then it's also the the playoff format too i think has incentivized uh, needless aggression. Uh, so I, I don't think it, it all is the problem uh, of the package. I think it's the drivers need to take it back a step. You can still have great racing and go for the win without diving four wide onto the bottom into the apron and, you know, just basically kamikazing the whole field. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that. And you make a great point because in the last couple of weeks, I've gone back and watched the 2008, nine and part of the 2010 um, Budweiser shootout. And you saw the guys, um, they were super aggressive, but they were cautious about it. Like, they, they took care of one another. And that's I don't think that's something you see nowadays. I think it's all just, you know, kamikaze, we're going to bomb the field, or we're just going to, you know, train the top. But back in 08 and 09, what I noticed is there was aggression from the start, but it was they were very smart about it. You know, they weren't going to make a move that was going to destroy the field. And if they did, then, you know, it was kind of like a dime a dozen, but they were able to be aggressive the whole entire race and i i think that added a lot more excitement and hype to the race because you knew for one it didn't count and for two mm -hmm. guys were going to be aggressive but yet take care of each other and it wasn't just going to be a, a 2020 clash you know yeah. so you yeah. make a great point oh, yeah absolutely and, and and let's let's get to some other nascar news busy week for nascar obviously since uh, we launched uh, our season three last week uh we'll run through some of the some of the nuggets get your take Jared, uh, I don't know if you saw NASCAR adjusted uh, some of the rule language in the rule book that um, one of the ones that caught my attention was it seems like they, they're, they're, they've given leeway if somebody like leans over the wall and accidentally puts his foot down when he's not supposed to before the car gets there. They kind of have some wiggle room to say, OK, yeah, that wasn't intentional. I think that was probably a good call, don't you think? I'd say so. I think as long as they do it as like a one strike policy thing, because I mean, there's been so many times where. A poor crewman is just like holding this tire that's, you know, a few dozen pounds. And of course, he's going to lose his balance every now and then. Or someone's trying to like help get the hose across and he accidentally, uh, you know, touches the over the pit wall. I think if it becomes something where NASCAR just, oh, yeah, well, that could have been an accident, ball and strike, and they get too generous with it, teams will take advantage. But if it's a one strike policy, I don't see any reason why it's a bad call. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I agree. I like I like NASCAR kind of tightening the rope on stuff like that because I think 
you know, as, as with it seems like every rule change in the sport, teams find leeway and NASCAR kind of plays into that that leeway and they're able to push the envelope a little bit too much. So I'm in favor for it. So Brad Keselowski got a new sponsor, Keystone Light. Um, that was dropped on, I saw it on Twitter today, but apparently it was dropped on Reddit. Is um, that, is that, what is that? Is that a beer? It is. <laughs> that, is a, that is a beer. I mean, can you just, is that, is that associated with Miller? I, I yeah. don't know anything about that, Jared. Yeah, Keystone is like owned by the same people as like Miller Lite and all them. Um, it's garbage, complete and utter <laughs> water. So it's terrible. Wonder, so is it a new sponsor? Because I don't know a lot about this because it, it just kind of came out. Is it a new sponsor or is it replacing the Miller Lite on the car? So I think it's an, it, the sponsorship comes from like the the Miller Coors company. So I think it it technically I guess technically Keystone is replacing Miller Lite. It looks like. Um, but it, it's also, I think also technically the same sponsorship. It's probably going to be like a one or two race deal. Uh, the car looks good. It looks better than their beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so this is much like a, uh, like a situation with, you know, Kevin Harvick's Budweiser, you know, primary turning into Bush kind of owned by the, they're owned by Anheuser-Busch, but it's just yeah. switching, switching beer. So I'd be interested to see how that does, um, on and off the track, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Las Vegas, you know, obviously we're in another year in NASCAR where we don't know who's going to be able to go to races, how many fans are going to be there. I know Las Vegas, they sent out a message today. They're still waiting to hear if they can have fans. Obviously, the California race had to be completely canceled, replaced with the Daytona road course. Um, you know, as somebody like you who enjoys going to races, are you are you nervous this year uh, about not about COVID, but about not being able to go to the races you want to go to? A little bit. Um, for the most part, at least like the early races I have scheduled. When I say early, I just mean like the first couple. Because like after Daytona, it's going to probably be till Coda until I go to another race. Um, I'm not too worried. I just overall, like, I just wish that we had like a set plan. I know that a lot of this is very fluid, um, so it can't be that way. I will say that when it comes to Las Vegas, because um, I, w- I was going to go there last year and then I, I for the playoff race, and then I couldn't because I was going to stay with Darian. Um, I, I have to admit, I was kind of pissed with that simply because of the hypocrisy of their governor. The fact that they had casinos and hotels completely open to the public. They had, you know, I think, don't, don't, don't uh, the Raiders play in Vegas now? They had fans, yeah. I know, at that game. So they, they, it feels like they're playing favorites, and I, it's amazing a politician playing favorites. Who would have, who would have thought? Um, but it's like you're telling me you can't get eight to ten thousand fans in an eighty thousand seat facility. Like you're telling me right. like that, that you can't do that. I mean, like I just I went to you know the Bristol Night Race and the Bristol All Star Race this past year, and I can tell you, it felt like there was way more than thirty thousand people at both those events. I can just tell you that. Uh, and, and it really wasn't a problem for the most part. I mean, exiting was like the only problem whatsoever, like where just people just stopped caring. Um, but I think that if they just tighten that up, which sounds like that they would have, there wouldn't have been a problem whatsoever. So if, if they don't allow fans at that race, I think it is one of the biggest shows of hypocrisy among sports when it comes to different governors. So you've, you've been to a few races, um, since COVID, what would you describe the atmosphere as like? And what is it like being at the racetrack, um, 
since we have allowed fans back because the last time we attended a race was the 2020 Daytona 500. Obviously, we were still working on our 2021 plans to attend races. Um, and I've only really experienced it through blogs and stuff. But what is it kind of like in person um, at the track? Is it a super weird feeling? And since you've been to a couple, has it has the feeling kind of become have you become immune to the feeling? It's come, kind of felt normal. Um. The first, the all-star race at Bristol and the Bristol night race were kind of odd. Uh, I mean, I I still got to like hang out with people I knew and and talk to, and fans came up and we got to take pictures and stuff. Um, the biggest change, at least on my side of it, you know, taking pictures with different people and and talking with different people, is that if anyone sees anything with you, like your mask is lower than like here on your nose, you know, they freak out. Really? And it's like, oh, well, 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 like on social media, like I took, I took a picture at Daytona with my girlfriend in an empty parking lot. And I had half the comments ripping on us about not having a mask on. I mean, you could literally see the parking lot behind us was completely empty. There was <laughs> nobody around us for like good, probably quarter mile. Um, so that that's something that's just being like on social media and, and relying on social media a lot that that's changed for me. Uh, the, the, the Bristol races were definitely more strict, I think. Um, they had us come in at certain times, which all races have. Um, but it was very, it was very like, we're going to go through this. You have to have a clear bag. If you don't have that, leave it outside, you know, stuff like that. Whereas like Daytona was a lot more relaxed on it. Um, they didn't really care if you had a mask on around the facility as long as you had it when you were on the grounds talladega talladega i'll be real other than having a smaller crowd felt normal yeah. <laughs> i mean did you sit in the stands watching the race with a mask on uh they don't they don't require you to do it with a mask on as long as you're staying away from other groups um just because it's an outdoor facility uh as like when i went to the nashville fairgrounds they required you to have a mask on the whole night uh, so smaller, it's really just a matter of like what the preference is of the track president and of the company, whatever owns it. Cause I think Nashville is currently like in league with like Bristol and Dover too, the, right. the fairgrounds. So they're technically, I think like in a way kind of owned by the same people. I could be wrong on that, but, um, but they don't require it in the grandstands as long as you were at your seat, socially distanced from people, uh, just cause you know, you're outdoors, but once you leave your seat, you have to have a mask on. They will like usher you out in a certain order, uh, and it just it's it's little things like that um, that have really kind of changed. I, I assume with Daytona this year, I don't know how many people they're allowing. I, the number I heard was like twenty five to fifty percent, but it, it's it's been pretty unclear. Um, but I would assume it'd probably be the same as it was for the Coke Zero Four Hundred last year. And uh, you you kind of talked about. Um us uh you know tentatively getting our plans together i'm kind of excited to announce that we are scheduled to fly down to miami to be at the homestead race coming up in about a month yeah so we've been working on that um as far as we know they are allowing fans um their website is selling tickets and, right. <laughs> and stuff so <laughs> yeah, I, bought a I bought a ticket so I, uh, I, they better uh, they better let me in yeah so we're, we're gonna plan for that to attend there but i wanted to hit on something else uh race wise you you and your friends kind of hit on or kind of ran into a somewhat odd incident at Talladega where you were threatened to leave because you were standing up with a few laps to go in the stage. Yeah. 
Uh, so they were like racing three, four wide and it was like actual clean, good racing and we're getting pumped and we're like on the rail, like screaming. There's nobody going through cause the section is like 10% full. Right. And this dude comes up to us and he's like, you need to sit down or we, we will, we will have to make you leave. You will not be allowed to stay here. And we're like, excuse me. This is Tale of freaking Dega. Like, I just saw a dude over there take his shirt off when Chase Elliott took the lead. Like, <laughs> you're telling me I can't stand here and record when it goes by? They're like, because at the front of the section, there's a huge amount of distance between the front bar that we were standing at and our seats. Like, there's enough that, like, people could go, like, three wide past us and not have to worry about it whatsoever. And, uh... I, we were we were pretty heated about it because it's like you're telling me we had to like you know go through all these different damn things to get in, follow all your protocols, we did everything you said, and because we stood up and cheered, you're wanting to kick our asses out. And so, <laughs> your ass down. And so and so we got we got pissed, and Danny uh, put a a tweet out there. And it just like took off. Like Jenna Fryer retweeted it. Matt Weaver did. Um, I saw Jeff Cluck, I think, liked it or one of the, somebody in there, one of one of the other media ones. Like there's a lot of different people that are just like, hey, what the hell? You know, they actually showed up in this. And they a lot of these people don't know who we are. They're just, you know, see that we're fans having this problem. A few people said we were faking, but I, I who cares? Um and we ended up like getting it fixed up. And it was funny is like there were no security guards came around our section the rest of the race after that. <laughs> like I left I Maybe left the security section. guards for like a golf tournament or something. They just didn't know oh. what they were getting into going to Talladega of all places. I mean, he looked like he was about my age. He looked pretty young. So he's probably just like some intern college student that came over just like working, you know, for the weekend at the track or something. Uh I, I don't he probably just misinterpreted what his job was but in the moment it, 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 i didn't care like yeah. we were ready to go i mean that's, you should have pulled like i do when i get pulled over do you know who the hell i am <laughs> i don't think that would have went over well because people already say we have big egos and it's like i don't want to actually give them ammunition <laughs> right uh, some other NASCAR uh, NASCAR news. Uh, I guess today they came out with. I was wondering how many laps they were going to run in the mud at Bristol, and it's 250. So it's half of half of what it normally is. I haven't. Uh, obviously, first time talking with you since since the Bristol dirt race was announced. What are your thoughts on it? I'm cautious about. I'm not even cautiously optimistic. I'm just cautious about it. I guess. Um, it's just it. If you're gonna do a dirt race somewhere, I, I wish it was at an actual dirt track. I like like what the trucks are doing right now. Um, you know, they have an actual well, they have two dirt races, one at, at Bristol and then one at Knoxville. Like if you're gonna have a dirt race, do it at like Knoxville or Eldora. From what it sounded like, um from just different rumors I've seen bounced around, it sounded like it was a network decision. Like NASCAR did not want to do this. And the yep. network's like, you should do this. Yeah. And money won over um, who, who needs it obviously viewership's been down the so. problem is though if this is a train wreck it's i don't you know this could potentially this is going to go one of two ways it's either going to be a train wreck or it's going to be a really good race there's no there's no in between in my opinion uh the thing i'm thinking about is like are we are we going to break the caution record 
Right. Yeah. Like they right. don't know how to, they're not going to know how, I don't think they're going to know how to, uh, to, to judge it uh, on a track that big uh, as, as Bristol on that setting in the cup series. I, I just, I don't know. There's so many questions about it. I, I will say the one thing um, I saw a lot of people like wondering about, and I I'm actually okay with um, they talked about they were removing the safer barriers and and i saw a lot of people were just like like getting on them about it and i read into it the the reason they did and this is the only reason they did is that the the college that initially made safer barriers uh back in like 2000 2001 or maybe before that around that era uh they had said based on tests they'd done that it was safe to do so so like i don't i don't really worry too much about the driver's safety with this one my thing is just Kyle Busch and Christopher Bell are going to run away with it. Bubba Wallace isn't too bad at, at dirt tracks. Do you mean Kyle Larson? Or Larson. Yeah, I bet they say Bush. <laughs> well, I mean, I I, I think I, – I don't know. I mean, it's – it's. I said this last week on the podcast. They should have uh, done this as like an all-star race, test it out, see how it does before making it an actual points race. I just think if they would I, – I like – that Nashville Super Speedway is coming back. I'm going to be there. It, you know, I can't wait for that. But I wish they would have done the Father's Day race at Bristol. I, I think the weather would have fit well. I, it just showed that the way the track was so slick last year when they raced in the summer. And that, in my opinion, that was one of the best, if not the best, Gen 6 race I think we've seen in a long time, if ever. I think you could recreate that next year. If you're or this year, if you would have raced in the summer at, at Bristol, I I'm leaning pessimistic with it. Like I don't like that they're changing such a good track, especially since Bristol the last like three four years has really experienced a, like a renaissance. Um, but I'll give it a shot. What happens? Shot. We talked about this last week. I mean, what happens if they get you know two an inch of rain in an hour before the start of the race? I mean, what 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 do you do? Well, I'm assuming if it's like the COVID postponement, more than likely it was Fox that asked for this. So Fox would want it run during their segment of the year. So I'd have to say maybe do it. It might turn into a midweek race or Fox just might have a race later in the season when the NBC is off. So they got to uh, pull the dirt out, put the dirt back in potentially. I mean, I, I if if it's. The, the problem with doing it later in the season, if it's those, in one of those two bye weeks, is you're you're running dangerously close to the Bristol night race. Like, because that's like in the middle of September. You you're giving yourself a month and a half max to take that dirt out, get the track back to the way it was, lay the PJ one down. You don't know like what if what if the dirt has some you know that you're using has some adverse effect on the PJ one and completely screws up the Bristol night race. At the same time, if you do it in the midweek race, you're going to have awful TV ratings, and then the network is going to more than likely blame NASCAR. And you know, it's not NASCAR's fault; it's the network that had the horrible idea to begin with. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to think about it raining there. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're getting a lot of bad scenarios going in my mind. Yeah, well, this is not going my, to turn out well. well. My thing is I that because. It's at the end of March, so there's a chance it could snow. Yeah, it's going to snow. Yeah, it really is. It's it's the last race before the Easter break. There's a, I mean, 
I just living in Illinois, I can tell you, I've had snowstorms at the end of April. Like there's a chance it could snow there. You know, if if something weird happens, what do you do then? If if the dirt is frozen, basically, or like hardened on the ground. Right. Yeah. yeah, I've said it from the beginning. I think it's got all the making of an absolute train wreck. And I think there's more cons to come out of this than pros. Uh, even if it does well, I'm still optimistic about what they will do in the future regarding the Bristol dirt race, because I've said it all along. I think that, and we've had this conversation with Dalton last week on the show with the declining numbers of ticket sales in Bristol in the spring race. And you look at, you look at the night race and how many people are there and how much attention it gets and how great it is. And then you look at the spring race and almost a lot of it is weather. And Dalton hit on a good point last week when he said that if they would have moved it to beginning of summer or midsummer, almost around when the Bristol um, All-Star race was, then he guarantees it would do the same numbers and or sell out like the night race does. And I tend to agree on him with that. Um, I think that's a lot of it. I think, the weather is a big factor, obviously, because, I mean, nobody likes to sit in the cold or, or the rain. And the product on track, I, like you said, I think the track is slicker and it just provides better racing. So even if this race does well, I'm still like, like, where do we go from here if it does well? If it does bad, I think the direction is easy for NASCAR to point in in the future, especially since us NASCAR fans, it seems like we've asked for more short tracks and then we got fed this, like. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, people ask for a dirt race, but I don't know anybody who asked for a dirt race on Bristol. And I don't know anybody who asked for it at the sacrifice of an actual Bristol Cup race on, you know, well, the concrete. Go. If it goes well, that's probably not good because then NBC is going to want their dirt race on Bristol. So then we're going to have two dirt races on Bristol and we're never going to go back to the old Bristol <laughs> again. <laughs> I want to go back to... Um, I, I, I do think the, the spring race would do better in the summer, but I just think the prestige of the Bristol night race, I think, would, would always carry that over. I will say, when you said nobody wants to sit in the cold, it was really damn cold at the Bristol night race once it got dark this past year because really? I moved it to mid-September. Yeah. And I because like I went to the 2019 Bristol night race, and that place was packed. There was probably a, there were some estimates saying it had over 100,000 people there, and I would have believed it. I mean, yeah. it was... It that was felt my favorite like race we've ever been to. It yeah, felt like an old race. <laughs> I sat in 30-degree weather, weather with, with blowing snow at Martinsville one year watching a race. Yeah. That was, yeah the, the 2019 Bristol night race, that was my second ever time being at Bristol. And that is by far my favorite race I've ever been to. And I think that's actually where we originally met you and Danny B and, and Darian and Jake and all those yeah, guys was. Um, was down there yeah. in the infield and stuff. But just – like I've noticed, like it was noticeably like a ton of fans there, and I just felt like it was sold out because I mean, that was probably the most fans I've seen at a track since one of my first races I went to in Martinsville in like oh seven oh eight. Um, oh yeah, we've been to Daytona the last couple of years, and obviously Daytona always does numbers like it's huge and stuff. But that race that night felt particularly different. Like it was just packed, and it. So it felt super nostalgic, and I, I would love to see Bristol and really all tracks to get back to that, if possible, yeah. if we make the right – if NASCAR makes the right moves going it forward. Felt, it, it, that race and then the Daytona 500 in 2020 before the first time it rained, it, it felt like we were back in the early 2000s. It, it honestly – it felt like 
when I had went to Michigan in 2006 and Chicagoland in 2007, that was the feel like I, I, I got goosebumps when like the opening ceremony started up for the Daytona 500 and seeing the fans and like the infield, like, cause that was where me, Darian and, and slap shoes were all standing. We were on one over the garage in the infield and it was just, there, there was a feel in the air that whole weekend. And then with, with the Bristol night race, it was the same way. Like the truck race, I remember they were like all around. It looked like it was probably like 40% full for the truck race. And we're like, it doesn't usually do this. Like mm -hmm. th this, this weekend feels special. Right. Um, it really did kind of in a way, cause especially if they keep the Bristol night race later in the year, I think it's going to suffer due to the weather. I mean, right. I just, from how it, it was, you know, I say it was cold. It was, it was still like 50 degrees out, but you know, with it being windy, it, it kind of felt like in 2019, it was almost like the end of a, of an era almost. And right. it's funny. I complained about 55 or so. And then like when I went to Kansas this past year with my dad in, in the fall, it was like oh, 28 man. degrees. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my ass is still stuck to the seat. Like, <laughs> it was cold dude i kept my mask on the whole race because it warmed me up <laughs> just because it warmed you up yeah and, yeah. and i'm I, and like I, i'm glad you said that about the 2019 bristol night race because i was actually i feel like i was the minority thinking that i was disappointed to see it move to the playoff race in late september oh, because i i enjoyed bristol as a late summer classic i felt like it was perfect on the schedule in august and i mean obviously the last last time we went there in august the weather I felt like was perfect for that entire weekend. Yeah, it was hot and stuff, but in terms of the racing and the weather and just all the factors, I felt like it was perfect. And I, when I saw it move to the playoffs, I was like, eh. I mean, yeah, it's a playoff race, but like it takes away from all those special late summer classic Bristol races that we've always gotten. And of course, the racing this year was great um, in the playoff race, but I don't know. I I was disappointed to see it move. Um, to the playoffs in, in mid-September. So, yeah. you know, I I hate that it happened, but I'm optimistic for the future. Some other NASCAR news to get to. Great conversation, by the way, with Jared. Uh, thanks again. You know, we great insight, uh, you know, that you're giving us now that you always give on, on when you're doing your show with the guys. Um, Matt Tiff, uh, our best wishes goes out to him. Uh, you know, he's he's battled with seizures and and – um, epilepsy is the reason for that. So, um, that, that was some news that came out this week. Now here's something that's going to make you smile. Uh, so we got Landon Castle running full season in Xfinity. Now that's not what's going to, you know, that'll make you, yeah, Landon deserves it, but you know, we know your, your good relationship with somebody by the name of Ryan Vargas going mm -hmm. full time in the Xfinity series. Uh, talk about that, what that means. I I'm, beyond happy for him like so we've been we've been uh friends with him since around i'd say around 2019 maybe into 2018 and like back in 2019 when we were meeting up with him at, at the bristol night race and then especially at homestead that guy was working his ass off to 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 work something out for the next year to try and get sponsorship and he, he let us he, he gave us a little insight I, I i won't like say too much just because i don't know what he what he wants said or what should be said or not um, but he, he gives us a lot of insight and it is, and unless you are somebody who, you know, has family in this or is like a generational talent, it is hard to get into this business and it's even harder to stay in, in this business long-term. 
So like hearing that he's going to be going full time, like I, I, I'm in a big chat with him and with a bunch of the other YouTubers. And I was like, you know, doing some some work and I see my phone just explodes. And I'm just like, um, wait, what? What? Hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because I, I know how much he's been working at it. And the fact that he outran his equipment big time last year like at Pocono if his car doesn't get loose in turn one that guy's finishing fourth or fifth in his first start at Pocono like and you can say what you want about Pocono but it's one of the hardest tracks in NASCAR to to to, to navigate and, and this dude was on the door of having a top five um had a top 10 later in the year man I I'm excited because I think he in my opinion is the most slept on driver, looked over driver in the Xfinity series right now. For the equipment he has and what he's done with it and the work he's put into it, I honestly think that given the right chance, I think he's like the next Ross Chastain to be given a, a big chance and basically build himself up, not having a bunch of people help him, you know, um, along the way and sort of have his way paid through like a paid driver. He is like a true to the word, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get it done yourself kind of guy and driver. And I, I'm, I'm excited, man. Somebody else that I would put in that category who I think is going to do very well this year is, and we've had him on the podcast, is Jeb Burton. Mm. He did not have the money that Harrison Burton did not come from, you know, did not get the Toyota help and all that that Harrison got. And Jeb has worked his way up, you know, with with slower rides after slower rides, got into junior motorsports, showed what he can do and now got a full time ride this year. I think it's going to be a great year for him. I'm really excited about Jeb Burton as well. Yeah, he has proven he like if you just plug him into some part time rides, he will make the best out of it that he can. He takes care of his equipment. Uh, I, I really don't see anything to uh, to criticize with putting him full time like the guy has earned it. And I think that this year he might honestly just explode onto the scene this, you know, this season. Mm -hmm. uh, some other NASCAR news, AJ Allmendinger, he's going to run the Daytona road course for what is it? Colleague. Mm -hmm. See, I, you all keep talking about all chase winning all the road courses. I'm trying to be very, I'm, I'm not getting my hopes up this year that he's going to win what seven road courses in a row and make it like 13 road courses no. in a row. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you see somebody like A.J. Allmendinger causing a problem potentially for Chase? Because I think Allmendinger is going to be a factor in this race. Yes, I, I, I do think. I think we're going to kind of see the return of the road course ringer uh, a little bit. Uh, the one, you know, Allmendinger is definitely one I'm looking at. Uh, and I think he will be a factor in some way, whether that's a top five factor, top ten factor. Um you look at what Kaz Grala did last year when he jumped into the three at the Daytona road course, I think he finished like seventh and he was running up front. You look at Michael McDowell last year and the, the man was running second with like 15 to go. Um, but the one that a lot of people are talking about, but at the same time, a lot of people are dismissing is Austin Sindrick. Like I, I don't understand why people are overlooking him to possibly be the disruptor. Cause he's going to run at least some of the road courses this year. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to go out and win, but, you know, he, he's going to do pretty well. And then, you know, I, I think that while I don't think it's going to be a complete bounce back, you know, looking at regulars I, to, to challenge uh, Chase Elliott, I think Kyle Busch could. Like, he was running really, really well at the Daytona road course until he had problems uh, late in the race last year. So uh, until, you, until you wrecked every other lap there, the last, <laughs> the last 30 laps. <laughs> I, I just, 
as much as I think Chase Elliott, I think personally think Chase Elliott will win more races than anyone this year just because of the road course factor and, and the factor that he is like he's what 24 and he's already kicking ass pretty much everywhere yeah like I, he's not even close to peaking so i think he's the driver to beat but like this thought that he's gonna win every single road course race is asinine to me like if you if he wins half of them i will be impressed but there's so many that people are gonna key in on it more yeah and He's got his Chase hat on right here. He's yeah. not even a Chase fan. I, 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 like, I like Chase. I, I do like Chase. I, often, I give him a lot of crap sometimes because I feel like NASCAR plays into his hand and stuff. And I, I refer to him as the golden boy. But deep down, I do like Chase. And I've always pulled for Chase since he stepped on the scene in the Xfinity series. I am a Kyle Busch fan for any of our first-time listeners. Well, but my hair is a little wild right now. I need a haircut. And I do enjoy Chase Elliott throwback golfer hat. So I just happened to grab Timothy's. And it fits my head pretty well, so we're rocking. I think Chase's first few seasons with no wins, kind of, you know, if he had started off hot, nobody be t- nobody be, you know, criticizing him. But you know, uh, you know, you had all that time to criticize him, and now some people just want to continue to do that. But I mean, he's starting on the pole for the Rolex Twenty Four. What what else? Oh, wow. yeah, he is. I didn't, I didn't see any. I didn't. I wasn't really up to date with any uh, Rolex Twenty Four. I mean, he's gonna win the Rolex Twenty Four race. <laughs> I gotta catch up on my David Land videos. I didn't see that yet. Yeah, his team, his team is on the pole for yeah, the Rolex Twenty Four. So. Is David down there this year? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think he is. I saw him doing some coverage, so I assume he is. I, oh, nice. I. So, I Talking about winning, um, someone else who is criticized is Bubba Wallace, and Bubba Wallace coming to a new team this year with 23XI Racing, obviously Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan, we know all that. I read this week, Bubba Wallace has a personal goal of two wins this season. Do you see that as a realistic goal for him? Uh, it's possible. It's, it's hard to gauge. It's a new team and all, but it could go one of two ways. It can go the furniture row route of everything works out perfectly and a a man's career is basically resurrected. Or it can go the Levine family racing route of "Eh, he's competitive once in a blue moon, you know, once a year maybe, and and he'll compete for a win. He's a talented driver. Like this is B. See, I'm one of the few people that's neutral on Bubba Wallace. Like, I, I when I look at and and judge him, I judge him off of his racing, not what he does off the track, not what his social right. political stance. I, I about. totally agree with you. And he's a talented driver, but at the same time, I think he's just as talented as an Eric Jones. And Eric Jones won maybe one or two races in in three years. Um, I I like his attitude that there's no excuses. Like that was the thing he said. There's no excuses now. Uh, so I do, I do like his attitude going into it. it. It's just the first year with a brand new team is tough. I think next year I think would be more realistic just because the slate gets wiped clean with the next gen car. Right. But I, I, he's, he's a good super speedway driver. Uh, he's proven at Bristol a few times that he, he's good on the short tracks. He needs to improve on the road courses. So I don't see him winning any of those seven races right. or whatever it is. Um, I mean, two, in my, go ahead. Two is possible. He, I think he should be a borderline playoff driver. I think if if it comes to Daytona and he is winning your in, that's it. That's all he can do is win to get in because he's out by points. I think it should be viewed as a disappointment. And racing for Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan's a winner, and I I, I will give I will give him two years before I start really criticizing. 
Uh, because I think the you know, first year get, the teams can get their feet under him, but I, Michael Jordan's going to be someone who expects excellence and to win. I don't think he's going to like let this be like the Bobcats, where it's just sort of a, a back burner side project. I, it sounds like from what Denny Hamlin said is that that MJ is going to be very involved in this and where his money is going with this. So this year, I think he should be a borderline playoff driver. Next year. He should be a contender round of 12, round of eight driver with the equipment he's given and the support he's given. If he if he is if he misses the playoffs this year, I will start criticizing Little. And if he doesn't improve the next year, I will definitely I, I will be criticizing him solely off his performance. <laughs> That's I got it. I got it. I always have to put that out there because if I say anything good or bad about this guy, I am either a left-wing snowflake or a white a right-wing racist and it's like no, no, I am talking about the driver Exactly. Alone. You're exactly right. <laughs> yeah, totally agree with you. Now, here's I mean, here's my take on it. I think that's a, I mean, it's great goal to have, but one thing he's got to do is and he's not done this and it takes time is you have to put yourself in position to win and you're going to lose a lot of races putting yourself in position to win before you actually get that win. Yes, he may somehow get a push at the last lap of a restrictor plate race to win. I'm not going to I kind of put those to the side. I put that Eric Jones win to the side, you know, at Talladega, I, you know, those Daytona, those types of things. You've got to be in position and put all these races together from start to finish sometimes, you know, take the road courses out of the equation. And you've got to build that. You've got to build that learning notebook. And he does not have a learning notebook, really, other than a couple races, including the Brickyard race where, you know, he, he ran. I mean, I think that's the best I'd ever seen him run at a, at, a, at a racetrack that wasn't a restrictor plate. I think it's going to take time to build that because, he, I mean, Chase took take Chase Elliott three years to finally get the monkey off his back. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great goal to have, you know, but I, I think you've got to, you've got to, you've got to put it all together and you've got to go through those frustrations of, of almost winning and not winning and thinking you're going to win. And, and, you know, that's my take on it. If he has like a Dale junior 2013 season, no wins, but like, 12 top fives, 20 top tens, five second place finishes. I would honestly be happy with that compared to a season where he's got like one win, one top five and three top tens. Like I, I, I in my opinion, and, and I, I've debated on the podcast multiple times about this. In my opinion, a season with no wins, but running consistently and being up front competing for win, wins regularly is more imp impressive to me than making the playoffs and locking into like a round of 12 spot because you won a Talladega race and then a few people struggled, you know, in the first round. Like that, that's right. I, I, I it's better. It's a better long-term gauge to me. Like if, you know, was it uh Chris Busher in the 34 car in 2016 made the playoffs? That was not a good long-term gauge. Whereas like Kyle Larson was winless in a lot of those years, but he was competing for a playoff spot, competing for wins, made it. And it showed over time he was going to be a better driver. So I, I think people are, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen all the, the things that blow up on social media. Bubba more than anybody. And I don't know that he's going to win a race or I don't know that, you know, how his season's going to go or how his career is going to go. But he's one driver that if they win their first race, I really want it to be like a legitimate win. I don't want it to be a rain delay win. I don't want it to be something 
there where there's any doubt about it, um, because I, you know, I don't, I, you know, we know what's going to happen then. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I, I really want him to go out and earn that first victory. I don't want to, I don't want it to be a, and I don't know how you feel about what was his name, uh, what's his name who won the Coke Zero Four Hundred, you uh, know, Justin first Haley. Justin Haley. I don't know how you feel about that win. I don't want that to be the first Bubba Wallace win. Uh, I mean, with the Haley one, I, I a win's a win, but at the same yeah. time, I understand uh, the criticism with it. You know, he, but he played under the same rules. But I, I'm, I'm in agreement. Um, if it were me, I would want it to be like a Jimmy Johnson kind of Dover win, where there is no question in mind that he is going to win, where he has led like 75% of the race, and you know, there, there's no way you can just BS it. All the all the claims that would be against him would be bunk BS claims of like, you know, oh, he was given extra equipment or all this BS and then this and that. You know, it, it had I want it to be something like that. Or he outduels somebody the way that Ryan Blaney did for his first win, like what he did with Kevin Harvick and Kyle Bush. Like it, it, i want it to be something that people are impressed with and they go, Oh, this Bubba Wallace guy can drive. You know, not Oh, well, you know, he had a good pit strategy, so he, he won a rain out at Pocono sometime. Or, oh, he won a super speedway race, so those don't count. Um, and then and then we throw up the graphic, how many minutes since the last Twitter incident? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that's like, I think Darian has like ownership of that now. He right, posts that's that like what every I was day. referring to. <laughs> yeah, that, that, oh, yeah. The, the moment Bubba does or says anything, that's going to happen. And, and and it's like for, for people listening at home, like it doesn't matter what side of whatever you are with it. Like you just got to understand the, like the, the guy's polarizing now. And some of it's through what he said and done, but at the same time, some of it's just through what NASCAR's mistake was with Talladega. Uh, it's, it's, I, I, for me, I have got to the point where I'm just going to judge him as a driver. What happens off the track, we can talk about and debate about forever. Um, but when it comes to talking about Bubba Wallace at 2311 Racing, it's all what he does on the track now. If, if he comes out this year, though, and, and is, like, running th- the way he did at Petty, then I think there should be some real criticisms lobbed at him and the team overall. Um, I agree. I mean, they're pouring it, millions into this, and they're going to build a state-of-the-art shop that is just, from what I hear, unbelievable. Yeah, isn't um, that they're saying that's like the Google of right. uh, race teams? I'm like, I don't know how that's going to work, but, you know. I mean, Hendrick changed the game back in, in the 90s, wanting to make NASCAR teams run like an F1 team would. And we saw what that did for Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson and and basically like any other driver. Almost every driver that's driven for him since then has won or has been in position to win. Exactly. One of the other uh, headlines, the big headline, I mean, I'd call this maybe the biggest news of the week in terms of, of, at least for me, NBCSN shutting down at the end of the year. I mean, I was completely shocked by that really not that old of a network. Um, you know, I don't, I mean, it's not, is it 10 years old? I don't even think it's 10 years old. Uh, no, I don't think it is. And, it might be around you know, there. I'm a huge fan of, of how they, you know, uh, of how they do their shows, all those NBC, you know, the NASCAR coverage on NBCSN, you know, even aside from race day, uh, you know, the weekend shows that they do and all those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, what does that say? What do you think about that move? Obviously, some of the races going on USA Network. I'm just not a, I'm not a big fan of this. Um, so I I had heard about it back in like the about October of 2020. 
I had gotten through the grapevine. Someone's like, hey, you know, I heard a rumor that like this is going on. It sounds like NASCAR's preparing for it. And at the time I was like, oh, that's that's odd, but I'm not going to run with it until it's it's official. So when I found out, I wasn't surprised. I was surprised about the timing of it. I thought that they would announce it maybe like, you know, I, I don't know, like after the season started so that there wasn't a cloud of mystery hanging over before the Daytona 500. Um, but so I can't say I'm surprised just cause I kind of knew it was coming, but at the same time, I, I, I do have to admit that it's like, man, you couldn't, they couldn't just finish out this year's amount of coverage and then we'll do a full switch next year. Cause what it sounds like is it's shutting down after the Olympics. Um, so I, I am a little bit mixed. Uh, I I'm a little bit mixed on, on USA taking over. Just because it's going to be hard for a lot of the fans who have been watching, especially newer fans from the last five years, who have always been like, oh, NBC Sports Network has like 13 races at the end of the year, and they're going to go and be like, where, where the hell did it go? Um, but at the same time, USA Network has is in like 93 million homes across the country, whereas like it, it, it's in more homes across the country than um, ESPN, NBC Sports Network, and Fox Sports 1. Um, so it, it will, it will be a broader audience. It's just a matter of if they can, can carry over, uh, to there. So I, I think it has the potential to be good. I'm just glad that, you know, cause I think this is a product of NASCAR signing a, a deal that has become outdated in five years. Um, cause I signed this deal in 2012, 2013. Um, I'm glad they did put that NASCAR races cannot and will not be behind a paywall. Because that's the problem that IndyCar is going to be in at the end of the year, is they're going to be on on the Peacock network, and I can't remember um, I can't remember who said it, but someone was like, "Man, if we can't get uh, since it's behind a paywall, if we can't get IndyCar races, does this count as like a cock block, a peacock block?" <laughs> uh, I was like, "That's a good way of thinking about it." But for for NASCAR, I don't think NASCAR is going to be too. Um, affected by it in the long run like of this contract i just think that there, there's going to be a lot of questions come 2023 2024 about what's going to go on you know it's looking like the, the the overall tv uh broadcasting and broadcasting overall is, is changing so much i think that the, the next contract should look more at uh streaming and online services youtube for instance, that's that's one thing I was going. Well, two things I was going to ask related to to that. I mean, do you see ten years from now NASCAR as a, a subscription service where you're just you know you've got the you've got the NASCAR thing downloaded on your TV and and you pay you pay ten dollars a month like Netflix or whatever and you've got all the they they control that you know it's it's you know they pay for all the everything and it's just it's the NASCAR app. There's no TV networks involved. No. Um, and for the simple reason that if they were going to do that, they should have done it long ago. The, the, the streaming service landscape, in my opinion, is oversaturated. And a lot of these main companies that are, are really streaming like a Hulu or a Netflix, uh, Amazon, YouTube, they're jacking up their prices. And since they have the best deals already, um, I, I think if NASCAR were to do that, they should have done it already. I think if if you're because that's looking five years down the line, four or five years down the line, and at that point, they're they're going to be behind the times with it. I think what they they should do is work out a deal 
in my opinion, with YouTube, because YouTube is open. Like I think they said like two billion people use YouTube a year. So if you can work out a deal with YouTube where, hey, when the races are showing, you're at the top of the trending tab. I think that's the easiest way for NASCAR to get more viewership overall. I, I think NASCAR's ahead of the game with showing their races after the fact for free on YouTube, whereas like the NFL and NBA and MLB will basically like you know go up and grab you and and, and take you down forever for doing that. Same with F one. Um, I think what NASCAR needs to do is not follow what the rest of these these leagues are doing because I know a lot of leagues are talking about doing their own streaming service and that's it. Uh, I think they need to, to to work on something completely different that sets them apart from the pack because I think that's NASCAR's biggest problem. Uh, and you can see it in almost every aspect of what they did at the end of the Brian France era is they just followed every sports league and it, it led to nowhere. Um, so I don't think they're going to be charging races on a streaming service. I think they will have a streaming service that they'll have like historical races on and maybe you can pay for like extra perks or something. Um, but I don't think that as, as an overall platform, they're going to have just streaming that you, you pay to watch races. Yeah. This whole track pass thing on NBC, uh, to my, in my opinion, I, I hate it. That was such a disaster. You didn't know how to find stuff. You didn't know where it was. It seems like that has fallen flat in my opinion. Uh, the other thing related to that though, any, I thought it was interesting that CBS is getting, you know, Tony Stewart, Ray Ebernham series. Do you see CBS potentially making a play when contracts are up to try to get NASCAR racing back on CBS? Uh, that personally is my pick, um, but I don't think they're going to be replacing NBC. If, if I'm going to predict, I think to pr uh, my prediction is they're going to replace uh, Fox. I think that the Fox portion of the year, because Fox has shown a lot of disinterest, and on top of that, they've already bought the rights, I think, to like the NHL playoffs, which is the same time of the year, and runs a lot of those games run on Sundays uh, later on. So I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know if Fox even has the the space, and if they do, I think they would push even more races to Fox Sports One, which as a channel has been bleeding subscriptions. Um, I think that CBS would be the better play because NASCAR, even if NASCAR lost like 25% of its audience from now until the end of this contract, I think would still be above the pay grade in the cup series to ever go on a CBS sports network. Um, the other one that people are talking about, and the one that I had actually heard from a few people in the industry about, but I think is probably going to end up going nowhere is ESPN uh, talking about coming back with ABC. Um, that was one that I, around, around 2019, when I was at Kansas, I was hearing a lot of people, you know, that I talked to in the media center, talk li little bits and pieces about, but nothing concrete, you know, cause it's so far out. Um, but I, I think ESPN at the point, they, I think they've burned that bridge with NASCAR so bad and how they've treated the sport during their run with them and 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 when they have them and i'm not talking about the broadcasters like the broadcast the the 2011 to 2014 espn broadcasts are some of the best i've ever watched uh just everything clicked uh but the the channel itself with like sports center and first take there were so many stupid nascar jokes they'd make or they didn't take it seriously or it was pushed behind like you know like freaking women's basketball when it had you know back when it had like six to eight million watching a week. I don't think NASCAR is going to put itself through that again. 
I think they would I think they would go to like YouTube or Amazon before they ever chose to to go back to ESPN to be honest with you. So I think CBS is the play and I think it would be a better play long term if they allow streaming and online broadcast as well. Oh wow. Diving in deeper here with Jared just to kind of wrap up the episode, a few things we want to hit on. Number one, um, only limited practice this year, only in about eight events, I believe, um, which is disappointing because I'm pro practice. I'm pro long weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday type deal. Um, Looking forward into 2022 and we get the next gen car rolled out. Do you see practice and qualifying making a return? And by that, I mean, do you see the full weekends coming back Friday, Saturday, Sunday? not only for the on-track action, but for the fan experience as well? Uh, personally, I don't think so. Um, I personally think that the way NASCAR – NASCAR is really trying to to just mitigate any extra spending that they don't have to do. I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it's a one uh, practice in qualifying, but even before COVID uh, came over everything, they were talking about you know Martinsville having qualifying in the morning – and then the race later that afternoon and just the trucks show up on Sunday morning. Um, I personally want it to. And I think like special events like speed weeks, Coke 600, maybe Southern 500, um, uh, the finale, and and maybe even the end of the playoff rounds will have it Uh, maybe like an extra practice or so. Uh, But I think as a regular thing, as much as I hate saying it, I think COVID has completely killed that. Um, I could be wrong. I think I think with the next gen card, the first year they're going to have lots of practices, just because they need to iron out the problems with it. But I think after that, especially if they're still in the position where they need to try and and save money, I, I don't think that um, lots of practice. I think qualifying will come back at the track, but I think it'll be like the day of the race. Um, I think. The only way you're getting a three or four day weekend is if Trucks Xfinity Cup or ARCA Trucks Xfinity Cup all show up in the same weekend. So as a fan, do, does that do you think that hurts us in the long run or potentially helps us? Because with the next gen car rolling out and stuff, and you know, the name of the game has been saving money, cutting costs, saving money. But for any startup requires a lot of capital up front. So you're gonna have to spend a ton of money on this car in general. So what exactly do you think is NASCAR saving on the back end when they're dumping a ton of money, A, into this car and into other things in the sport? And the teams are having to spend a lot of money on these cars as well, um, just with research, research development. I mean, it seems like NASCAR really wants to level the playing field and in a sense to where big teams can't, you know, get that vice grip over the small teams. But the big teams are still going to do their research and development and going to spend hand over fist and what they need to get an advantage. So how would that, I, I don't really agree with the NASCAR cutting, you know, the weekend activities to save spending and stuff. So as, as a sport going forward, I don't see how that helps us um, in the future. I think in the short, like I, I love how you said leveling the playing field, because that's the exact same thing that they used to sell it for the car tomorrow in 2007. Yeah. Yeah. And it did at first. People forget that. Like, for instance, like back before it was Stuart Haas Racing, Haas, I think it was Haas CNC Racing, they were really good. Like I, like in the early part of that year, Ginn was really good in the early part of that year. They were Both those teams were running top five, top ten. I mean, I remember Scott Riggs, I think, finished seventh at Bristol. And then like 
eighth at Phoenix. Um, so I think the short term, it's going to look like it's working. Like uh, same with like the Gen Six. I noticed there are some people that just come out of nowhere and and run really well when usually they didn't. With the Gen Six, I can't think of anyone at the top of my head. Um, but long term, it's only it's what what these massive spending uh, like gaps that they they have. They only get bigger long term with these because, like I said, these big teams are going to spend more. I, I think the the goal with less practice and possibly less qualifying is that the teams won't have to spend as much on tires, gas, possibly wear and tear on their engines, especially since like, I think the cars are all coming from the same uh, facility, at least the bodies I, I think are um, in theory it would, but, but the problem is just is that with a new car, you open up Pandora's box. That's what they did with the last two new cars. Um, but the COT, they had six years to build that up and it completely blew up on their face. With the Gen 6, they started testing that around 2010, 2011, and it still didn't. And now this one, I think this one they've been working on longer. Maybe it's different. Maybe new new management changes that. But it, it is kind of hard to get behind it when, you know, common knowledge of the sport just tells you that it's not going to, you know, that it more than likely is not going to fix this. Now, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Um I think that the long-term effect of ha not having practice anymore and possibly not having qualifying would be that uh, I don't think it hurt anything for the the casual fan. I, I've never heard of somebody being like, man, I turned on practice at Indianapolis one day and I was hooked. Like, I've never heard that. Like, uh, for, for NASCAR. I've never well, I heard did, that. damn it. You didn't listen to the last podcast we did. <laughs> no, I got into it later once I started getting into it yeah. and practice and qualifying on Friday and all, all the stuff building up with it. But I think it's going to hurt the diehard fan more than anything. Yeah. I think it's the, the, those who are teetering on the edge of not really caring as much anymore, having less stuff, to you know, less of a product to consume, I think it... it increases the chance of those kind of people falling away. I don't think it hurts at all the the, the chance at, at new people coming in. If anything, I think the, the scarcity helps uh, make it more valuable to watch. So speaking of the diehards and being hurt, NASCAR released the rap version of the next-gen car with the 22 pushback towards uh, the real this week. Does that, in your opinion, put the stamp on the numbers being pushed back, or do you think that is just kind of – a wrap deal NASCAR did, and uh, we still have hope, hope for numbers being on the door. I think it was just a show car kind of thing. Um, I do think NASCAR is heavily considering this, but I will say I give credit to the new um, management that they do seem to be listening to the fans more than before. I shouldn't say new management, but just like, you know, shuffled management. Um, they, they seem to be listening a bit more than, than the uh, Brian France era. I don't think it's a done deal yet. My, my deal with the, I, I'm not a fan of moving the numbers back. If any, if you're going to do anything, move the numbers forward. You're going to accomplish the same goal, and you're still going to look relatively the same. Um, but I don't think it's a, a done deal yet. Um, but I do think that the, the scale is tipping towards moving the numbers back. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Uh, thanks, man. As we, as we wrap up the podcast here with Jared, uh, you know, what are your 2021 plans, uh, you know, YouTube videos you want to do anything you want to want to talk about that you've got on the agenda this year. Um, I I'm definitely I'm increasing the content a bit on YouTube. Uh, because I've been doing like four videos a week. I think I'm gonna cap out around five, and then if there's some big news, I'll I'll like 
do a breaking video. I, I did that last year a bit. Um, they got the podcast coming back. I'm pretty excited about that one. Mark Martin coming up this week. Uh, that 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 should be pretty fun. I, he, he's so opinionated, but at the same time respectful about it that it's like, yeah, if he says something you disagree with, it's still, you know, you understand where he's coming from. And, yeah, you know, he's he, he cut Timothy's head clean yeah, off on he, Twitter. He, he destroyed yeah. me on Twitter one day. Yeah. Uh, what did you do? Oh, uh, what was it? Well, I was criticizing Kyle Larson, wasn't yeah, I? About this was back right, in, uh, yeah. yeah, this was back in 2018, and Larson had just won some dirt race or whatever in the off season, and Timothy chimed in with something about Larson, like something about his talent, like a like essentially calling him like a like a fugazi tough guy, like he's not as talented as we see on dirt, and. Uh, <laughs> And Mark Martin was quick to chime in back, and the world of outlaw fans were also quick to chime in back and jump Timothy. Yeah, I try not to think about stuff. That. And uh, so, yeah, that was like that was really early on. The, on and and in the now, podcast. I'm a, now I'm a huge, uh, you know, fan of Kyle Larson joining Hendrick Motorsports. Somebody <laughs> else who I don't know if you've watched their transition into crazy, but I was, you know, I was actually friends with when I was in high school. Did a number of shows with in high school. Kenny Wallace. He's kind of. Uh, He's moved out. He's moved to St. Louis, and he is just letting everything uh, fly. I mean, I'm not. I, I couldn't believe some of the stuff I'm seeing out of him. We don't have to get into the details, but it's it's pretty wild. Uh, I I follow him. Uh, he's he's definitely entertaining. Uh, I just sort of, when it comes to his opinions on that, I keep it all to myself because yeah. I I. I there's stuff he says that I'll agree with. There's stuff he says I disagree with. Uh, it, he's in his world. If, if he ever wants to come on our, our, our show, I'm, I'm fine with that, man. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I, res I respect him for, like, the career he's had and the experiences he's had. I just – when it comes to stuff – when it comes to, to people in the sport talking about social and political stuff, I, I tend to turn my ears off anymore just because – He's turned. He's he's slowly becoming somebody like uh, Randy Quaid, who was a great actor. You know, Christmas Vacation, and then he then he went I, crazy. And you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think Kenny Wallace is going to go that far. Um, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about, and I don't. I do not think he's going to go that far by any means. Um, no, I mean, he, like you know, he's entitled to his opinions. Uh, I'm going to keep mine to myself just because I've I've run into the problem. Um, of and not not about like politics, but just in general of running my mouth off too much and getting my my head bitten off. Um, so I, I I'm trying to be like I did that with Jeff Gluck once. Um, I it was like towards the end of the year, and all the all the journalists were like, you know, oh, it's such a long year and stuff like that. And at the, it was 2018, so like I'm just some kid on YouTube that uploaded like once a week and called it a called it a week. Um. And I made a video, and I basically made fun of him complaining, and he found out. And oh, no. yeah, that that didn't that didn't go so hot. And um, we ended up actually like making up about it, and we we had him on the podcast like the next year, and we talked it out and stuff. And he's like, "Yeah, I kind of learned. Yeah, you were in the wrong here." And I'm like, "Yeah, I was in the wrong here." And then you know, do you understand where I'm from? And and like, so when I see him at the track, like you know, we know who we who each other is, and we you know, we say hi and talk for like a minute or two and stuff. Um, but it was, it was the end of 2019. And then this past year, well, this past year only, uh, sort of furthered my understanding of it, but it was the end of 2019 where I learned, yeah, he had a reason for complaining. They all did like 
that this year is long. And if you if you invest the entire year, every single day into it, the way that a lot of these guys do, and you go to the races a lot, it takes everything out of it. You got to be in shape like that. I've been getting back into shape because I know that like if stuff does open up through the year and I do go to more races, like it is going to kick my ass. Like going to the track Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, drive back because I'm driving everywhere I go. Drive back Monday. You know, it, it's like a five day. It takes five days out. You have to plan around this for everything you do in a certain month, um, especially on the YouTube front of it, because it's just you're, you're on these trips. There's not enough time to make a million videos and stuff. Um, so I understand where he's coming from and I feel his pain and, and learning that I have also learned to keep my damn mouth shut when I don't know what I'm talking about for the most part. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've had the, we've had the gluck gluck game come after us too, because God forbid anybody else put out a poll after the race for their own personal oh, use. Uh, I, about I do that. How the race is. I do that. And like, we, we've turned ours into a meme though. Like we literally <laughs> like. We'll we'll let people give their thoughts on the race because I'll do like, what do you think about you know two thousand blah 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 X race uh, five hundred at Daytona, and um, or you know Auto Club or whatever, and give five options and a lot of people just like put song lyrics on you know they'll just yeah. like copy and paste like super califragilistic and put it in in the 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 comments and we're just like well that's that's something you know we we, we try and differentiate it but yeah that's. There, it, it's the NASCAR space. There's a lot of toxicity in it just because it, it, it's so weird. Cause like getting to know guys like five points vids and urinating tree in them, like it's so much more chill in other sports. And then you look at NASCAR and it's like, everybody wants to bite somebody's head off. Yeah. And, and, and if you don't, people think you have an ego. It's right. like, they're like it's so different in nascar so i'm like you you really do have to like walk like there's shards of glass on the ground on your tiptoes and stuff to not fall into some pointless drama and bs yeah i I just rejoined twitter with my trm ftl account this week and you know i'm like holding my breath doing that um so where can people find you on on all your socials uh, so on YouTube, you can find me, just look up the iceberg and it should be the first one that comes up. Uh, I, I don't know what the URL is. I, I don't think I've changed that yet to the, you know, YouTube.theiceberg or whatever. Um, on Twitter, look at me up at, at ice Titan 80. And then I do have to check my Instagram cause I just put my thumbnails on there. I'll be completely real with you. But if you want to know what my videos are, t- follow me on Instagram, just, uh, all lowercase the iceberg underscore YouTube. I'm also on uh, TikTok, but I barely post. But if you if you want to like follow or comment or something on some meme I made on there, go follow me there. But yeah, so I'm on all those. Basically, the iceberg on YouTube, the iceberg underscore YouTube on Instagram at ice titan eighty on Twitter, and then I, I think I'm like the iceberg on uh, on TikTok. So. All right, to end this off, I have one more question. Fox says it's going to be the best season ever. Do you agree? Uh, <laughs> TBA. Uh, it's, got, it's, got, it's going to have a lot to beat 2005 for 11 or 14 for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and don't forget, follow uh, follow the lead on, on all our socials. Uh, you've got a new vlog out for the first time, so uh, they can find you where? Uh, YouTube, Connor Vaughn on YouTube. Um, 
get subscribed to me. I, I'm not sure how how much I'm going to be posting, uh, especially right now with it being the winter time and not much being filmed. Well, I just that. Miami here in a couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully in a few weeks, be posting that and hopefully uh, get better in the in the YouTube uh, community and posting on there. So yeah. And 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 Jared, thanks so much for uh, uh, joining us, and we can't wait to see uh, the return uh, of the podcast that you're a part of. Oh, good. Thank thank you for having me on, and uh, I'm pretty excited. I, Mark Martin starting out is going to be pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it. Crash. Trouble.